Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We live in a world of fees. Airlines, hotels, food delivery, and especially car dealers all charge excessive last-minute fees. When you want something badly enough, it feels like your only choice is to pay up. But what if you had a choice to take a stand instead? At Carvana, we believe in treating you better. With zero hidden fees, you can drive off without feeling ripped off. That's what it means to live fearlessly with Carvana. It's that little chico pit bull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. What's up, everybody, on the Collider podcast feed? Lots of uh, changes and news for you guys. So if you're listening to this, look, here's how it goes. Movie Talk's pretty easy. Movie Talk, you got Movie Talk five days a week. You got Mailbag on Saturday and Sunday. And Afterthoughts, the Collider Afterthoughts with Jay Williams and Snelling. That is also on the Collider Movie Talk feed. Collider Heroes, you got that twice a week. John Schnepp breaking down everything in the latest and greatest in the world of comic book movies. Check that out. Two days a week. Make sure you subscribe to Collider Heroes, Collider Jedi Council. I am on that every week talking Star Wars. Go to the feed, Collider Jedi Council, and get that. Now, we also have my show, One on One with Christian Harloff. I have long-form interviews with people breaking it down and just having conversations about everything going on in their lives. Go and uh, check that feed out. But the two things I really want to talk to you guys about today are Collider, uh, the Collider Factory. Collider Factory is something where we are, we put all these shows in there for you guys. If you're listening to them, we look at the downloads and we say, wait a minute, maybe eventually this thing can have its own feed. But right now, the three things, we have some great shows in there. If you go to the Collider Factory, we have the Collider.com podcast by Matt Goldberg and Adam Chitwood. Um, the guys from Collider.com have give you their unique takes on the world of film and things going on inside of it. Collider Body Slam. Collider Body Slam is our wrestling podcast. John Roca, Aaron Turner, and special guests come in. Sometimes it's Jay Washington, it's myself, and we break down the world of what's going on in WWE, NXT, other things happening in the world of professional wrestling. That's a really fun show, and that's in Collider Factory. But the big news here, Collider Factory is now going to be the home of the Movie Trivia Schmodown. That's right, two days a week, our popular movie trivia show with a hint of the WWE aspect to it. That will be on the Collider Factory feed. Go there, and if you want to get it, do that. And after the, the show, the Schmodown Rundown, Frank Janish and Brad Gilmore will also now live in that feed. So make sure the Collider Factory is your destination for all those fun shows. Last time, Body Slam, Collider.com, the Schmodown and the Schmodown Rundown, all on the Collider Factory feed. It's a lot of fun stuff for you guys to digest on your work, on your ride to work or at the gym. Do it and let the English see you do it.
That's from Braveheart. Let's take a quick break. You know it's one of my favorite things to do post-dancing rehearsal. Not going to lie, it's putting on some sweatpants immediately and having a drink. You all know I love a glass of wine or two, but I also like to switch it up. So lately, Jason and I have been making a little cocktail at night using Rum Haven. Rum Haven believes Mother Nature did things right, so it's crafted using real coconut water and not using artificial preservatives or flavorings. It is so incredibly refreshing. I mentioned I like to add it to a cocktail, but it's also actually great over ice with a splash of club soda. It tastes like I'm on vacation, sitting on an island somewhere far, far away, which is without a doubt a great feeling, especially during these crazy times. So make sure to follow at Rum Haven on Instagram because they post all types of these seasonal recipes. They do giveaways and tips. Plus, when you go to discover.rumhaven.com, you can find their latest blogs, quizzes, and any promotions they have going on. On one of their latest blog posts, they actually have some tips about planning your virtual watch party, which is pretty perfect since everyone's favorite reality show is back on Tuesdays. Be sure to have a little virtual drink with me, sip some Rum Haven, maybe even while you're listening to the pod. Let me know what you think. Oh yeah, here we are. It's the Avengers spoiler special, baby. Hero style. We're bringing it to you extra sweaty. This is going to be probably the most intense hour. I almost got four towels for all of us because we're going to be drenched in sweat by the end of this hour. And so are you because we're going to cover everything that is in Avengers Infinity War with extra sweat. We're going to cover everything because you know who we've got? We've got Robert Meyer Burnett. It's great to be here. Amy Dallin. We've got Jay Washington. We just did a Heroes episode where we couldn't talk about this movie because we were keeping it real and we're like, no spoilers unless you want them. And so if you're watching this episode, this is everything, every single thing we're talking about is going to be a spoiler. After I'm done with this preamble, we're going to get right into it. So I just want to extra warn you, just in case you're worried about it and you didn't see the spoiler special you know, if you didn't see that and you're like hearing me talk right now, you're listening to me on a podcast or something like that, guess what? We're going to talk about Avengers Infinity War and you better have seen it. I am begging you to watch the movie before yeah. you watch this. Yeah, please, uh, yeah, please yeah. watch because, the movie. Because here we go. Because this movie, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier. This movie made $258 million <laughs> in its opening weekend. It is the number one box office movie of all time. It's killing it worldwide. Why? Because it deserves that money. It, it hasn't even the, opened in China. It hasn't opened in China. It's <laughs> one of the greatest films that Marvel has made so far. It is the culmination of all these things. It's everything they've been talking about and more. I was so shocked and surprised at how great of a film this really is. But this is truly the work of a group of amazing people. It's Kevin Feige. It's the Russo brothers. It's Marcus and McFeely. It's the entire team over at over Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Marvel Studios people. Everyone is... is working on firing off on all cylinders with all of these movies. So this true soap opera, this opera of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's hard to believe that it's true, especially if you're a comic book fan, to be like being given these gifts where literally we all got a chance to see the movie. Myself, Robert, and Amy saw the movie together. I don't know, Jay, I think you were in Chicago. Where, no, I saw, I saw it later that night. So later you, that all night. Went to, you all we went, went to, to the, the 10. 10 I went to the 7 p.m. Okay. screen. Nice. So we so all saw, saw it the day. same day. But it was like it was, it was a lot of fun to be in a, in a room with everybody, especially sitting with these guys who were like, literally, it was, you could almost call it a religious experience because oh. it, like, it was like it was transcendent in so many ways. I was sitting next to Amy, and you were. At one point in the movie, you had leaned forward, and you were literally <laughs> on the edge of your seat. 
And like you were completely, and I'm like, I, I felt I didn't want to get on the edge of my seat because I didn't want to crowd you out, so I stayed a little back. But but it was like that for me too. <laughs> uh, I just I could not believe what I was actually seeing. I mean, especially as a like I said earlier, as a lifelong comic fan and as a fan of fantasy cinema, a lot of people say they're disparaging, saying, "Oh, superhero movies have taken over the multiplex." Right. I don't see this as a superhero film. I see this more as the culmination of all genres, all fantasy. Fantasy, science fiction, and horror as a genre. Cinefantastique was the name of a magazine once. This was the culmination of that. You know, it was like watching an amalgamation of all of those things that you love writ large on the big screen. And I think this is a space opera. And even though there's moments that take place on New York, in New York, and and Wakanda, we're in outer space visiting planets all throughout the galaxy, the cosmic universe. So, I mean, a lot of people have compared this to the Empire Strikes Back. I'll say this is the Empire Strikes Back times infinity. This is so dark, so much darker. No no pun intended. That was was full pun pun intended. intended. Okay. Uh, What I'm saying is this is a lot of people are saying this is Thanos's movie. It's not Thanos's movie. It's Thanos is one of the main characters. And I feel like Thanos is given enough material to become a fully rounded, fully fledged, fully developed developed character by the end of the movie i'm one of those people that believe it's thanos is because it, yeah it's an avengers movie but because this is the first time in a superhero film that we've been watching uh, unless you count the dark knight like robert and I, robert said earlier where we focus on the villain more than anything else we start out granted we see out start out with him destroying the asgardian ship mm-hmm. and and ebony mal doing the greatest proclamation because he <laughs> his proclamations are amazing but you start understanding, you see Thanos, and when he is, gets handed the Tesseract right. after he snaps the hell out of Loki's neck, right. you see him take off his armor because it's him proving he's worthy to wield these. Right. He doesn't, because he could do it with his armor on, but he takes his armor off. So then you start seeing more about him. You get more and more, and then you get the emotion behind him. And even going into the very end, in the end sequence, in the title credits, where it says at the very end, Thanos will return. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that was their little F you to all of us. They were like, yeah. oh, you still crying? Check it out. Keep crying. <laughs> it's like, it's like, there yeah. Were, there were two, uh, like, post, like, two punches that they did. One was that logo, right. which, like, they, Turns like, the traumatized sort of laughter that rippled through the theater oh. when the first time you saw the logo at the very end. And then they follow it up with the Thanos will return. Like, the audacity. All right, let's not jump all the way too late. We jumped to the ending. Let's get right <laughs> to the beginning. This movie does nearly the impossible by setting up all of these different characters who spanned the last 10 years of the MCU and giving them little little introductions here and there and the first-time meetups for a lot of them. Um, there are so many emotions running the gamut. Elation, laughter, sorrow, brought to tears. So many moments throughout a two-and-a-half-hour movie. It's quite amazing. What I felt was the most amazing thing was like the, the, the meetups that we were expecting after you've seen the trailers, but then actually seeing them happen in real time. Let's start right off. Uh, before we get into individual meetups, I want to say, like, obviously this movie has the heroes ultimately failing and the villain ultimately being triumphant. Mm-hmm. Literally ending with that giant purple bastard smiling, saying exactly what he said he was going to do, and he did watch every single thing. He did every single thing and watched the sunrise just, with a little smirk. My, like, well, I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but ages ago on this show, we sat here and laughed as we said, what if? 
what if they did this? Yes. And then zero percent of me walked into this movie thinking that was going to happen. Like we talked about when the trailer, I was like, well, they can't do it because they put it right out front. Like, uh, so obviously they're going to do something else that surprises us. Like, the, part of the reason I've been walking around afraid to like move or smile or blink is that I want everybody else to have the same experience I did of being like, holy shit, they're doing it. Right. Like and we, the way they did it. That's <laughs> oh my the, God. the greatest. We were the talking way, about that earlier. Yeah, the way they did it. I mean, I myself felt that snap was going to come, but for me, I was like, they're going to do it halfway through the movie. And then I was like, I was 100% wrong, which I'm happy. I was like, they're going to kill Thanos, and the Avengers 4 is going to be a totally different movie. I was 100% wrong, and I'm happy to say that I was wrong because what they pulled off was a miracle. They, they made Thanos a fully dim, full 3D-dimensional character. I stopped thinking he was a CG character. I started believing, not only believing him, I know he's a bastard, he's evil. I don't, I'm not on his side. I don't think he's right. But he's that character that because he believes he's right, he is invincible. Well, the way I mean, he tells you his reasoning, he says everything needs to be balanced. Even the point when he tells Gamora, after Gamora's like, you killed half the people on my planet. He was like, do you know what they've experienced now? Plentiful food, days with beautiful sunshine. It's a paradise. But she's not having it, and she gets to speak for us in that moment where she just calls bullshit on the whole thing. Yeah, she does. Sorry about all the swearing, but like, but that's how he. Thanos is like, this is what I see. Yeah, you understand? I helped everybody out. But that's how true Mad Men really think. They think they're correct, and it's like what I'm trying to do with World War II and killing all the Jews is what I'm trying. It's like it's literally that person. It's that it's the it's the ability to to, why he has so many people who believe in him, Mm -hmm. and they're all evil as well. So I mean, let's talk about. Well, um, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that there's a lot since we're talking about this. There's a lot of Star Trek. In, in Thanos. There's a Star Trek episode from the first season called Conscience of the King that is all about a planet, Tarsus IV, that's experienced a horrible famine. And the governor of that planet, Governor Kodos, decided to do that very thing. He's going to assassinate, kill half the people on the planet so the other half of the people could live. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I thought when I was listening to Thanos, I'm like, there's a lot of Star Trek in here. And if you hear at the very beginning of the movie, when you hear the Asgardian distress signal... It sounds exactly like the Kobayashi Maru distress signal from the beginning of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Mm. So when I was listening to this, I'm like, you know what? I've always been fascinated by that Star Trek episode and that, that actual question because Governor Kodos in the episode says, look, everybody would have died. And what Thanos is doing, and I had this conversation on Twitter with a bunch of people, mm-hmm. I said, what he's doing has merit. I mean, we're all going to die at some point. He's just—he's just speeding speed the process for half the. And, and suddenly, sure, on a, we might eventually get there again. But if you have a planet that's full of plentiful things, that's being exhausted, the resources are exhausted, life will exhaust. What he's doing is he. Not wrong. Is can, he I, not can, wrong? can I jump in because I love this? They, they did that and they did it so intentionally. And I watching it the first time through. So I've I have seen it three times and Same I liked here. it more each time because every when I I walked out the first time going I I don't know if that worked or if I was bringing my comic book knowledge I don't know blah 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 and every question I've had has been answered by watching again and one of them was that they gave Thanos this sort of here's how like a real person who thinks there's right would approach this right. and there have been many Thanoses in comics but mm-hmm. like the classic for me is the sort of this poetic in love with death like in love with cruelty and we get some of that the inventively cruel way he uses his powers that's not like i think i'm doing the right thing guy and i was wondering about that mixture but you had to make his core that thing about like i think i'm making the hard choices to save people because and they they weirdly underplay this but the actual heart of this movie is captain america saying we don't trade lives 
Yes. For the oh, people yes. saying this movie isn't yeah. about something, it is about whether you trade lives. You are either Thanos or you are Captain America. Yeah, Amazing he doesn't point. want anybody to die. Yeah. Steve Rogers is like, we have to protect the team. But what you said also planet. echoes throughout all of the film. All of the heroes don't make those decisions. Even Star-Lord, oh. who screws up and they had the glove. <laughs> It's because he's so he's like you don't get to kill Gamora and he goes crazy. He he has a very human reaction. A lot of people are pissed at Star Lord. Is like if he just chilled out. I'm like, pissed at Star Lord. Yeah, and I was too. He, I'm pissed at him too. But the first time, if you think about it, the reason he had that reaction, because we don't know what happens behind the scenes after the films. It's the first time the two of them openly admit that they love each other. Yes. We don't know. Uh, we don't know. They, it seems like they've had which I wasn't going super on board for at first until somebody pointed out that like a bunch of time has passed, which yes. I had like yeah, because and, and, yeah. it's, it's that, got that crossover syndrome where like everybody's going to go into overdrive because it's a crossover. Like yeah, but I, I I feel like they've already established a relationship, but that was like a, a kiss goodbye or a kiss of like thank you acknowledgement kiss. Right. Yeah. So. She. You know. We we've seen the kiss before. The kiss almost happened in Guardians One. We've seen how he feels in Guardians Two. Mm-hmm. And then at first, when she asked him, if Thanos captures me, kill me. Swear to do it. Right. Right. And then they kiss. That's the first time we've seen the actual kiss of them. I agree. I feel like I'm hoping, my own hope is like, you know, we're going to get into the whole Gamora Thanos thing in a second. But I'm personally hoping that when James Gunn does Guardians 3, there is a flashback adventure of like 10 minutes before we jump to the present where... The Guardians with Gamora are on some mission, and we get a little bit of a more of an establishment with Star Lord, with Quill, mm. and Gamora. That's what I want, and then right into Guardians three, the present. You know, I wanted to speak to your to your point. I, I think the not trading lives is the undercurrent of the entire film. Yes, because Gamora is asking Star Lord to trade her life for yes. information. And then Doctor Strange says yes. to Tony Stark, "I will, I will never hesitate. I don't care what's going on. Yeah. I'm going to the Eye of Agamotto is going to be saved no matter what." And he didn't. Do and it. he didn't do it. Well, that's and, what I was and, yeah. and so, uh, uh, how many fantasy films can you say that have a, 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 a an inward core of humanity? Well, that, you talk about yeah, a, a, a yes. science fiction. Uh, just, oh, it's just a comic book movie. How many movies have you seen? If this movie were say. The English Patient, mm-hmm. and it had the same "We do not trade lives" uh, message. Right, people would hail it. It would indeed win an Academy Award. That's why this film is as great as it is, is because ultimately it is about what do superheroes stand for? The best in humanity. Right. That's what they've always stood for, what we can be. Superman was what immigrants imagined would be the best of, of a man. And, and that's what's inherent in this film. And that's why it truly has the heart beating of, of what it means to be a human being. And everyone does trades and sacrifices to keep that humanity. And that's what, when you brought it up, when you said it's, it was all of the, it's not just Captain America. I'm glad you said that because I was about to say the same thing it's Gamora and it's Doctor Strange mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's also it's all of the characters even Thor even Eitri who has lost his hands everyone is sacrificing Groot sacrifices his arm to create Stormbreaker there's every single one of these characters is giving is giving of themselves and not not bowing down to that that ugliness that is Thanos and that ugliness that is decreed of like, well, our limited resources, we're living on planet Earth right now dealing with limited resources and watching scumbags and criminals steal from us right now in the present. I think what is the true heroism is what we're going to see in Avengers 4, which is the setup that Dr. Strange said. I went through 14 million different possibilities, and there is only one where we come out victorious, and that is why he traded Tony Stark's life for because it is most important – 
to sacrifice. So I feel like that is the, the key to believe in each other and to not give up. That is the key, that is a key to America. That is a key to heroism. We're forgetting about Scarlet Witch. Yeah, I was going to say, but look at the scene yes. with Scarlet Witch and Vision. Vision. Yes, she that, refused to do it for so long. I know. He kept telling her, "It has to be you." She was like, "No." But look at the love there. Sh- that scene when it establishes them in Scotland together. Oh yeah. And how that we ha- we we need time for us. They're on either side of the Civil War, and and here they they come down and they're they're talking about who they represent and who they're loyal to. And mm. Vision's like, "We need time for us." You know, mm-hmm. talk about humanity. There's real love there. And that was a one moment of, of romantic love in the whole film. I mean, everything else is tragic romantic love. Yes. But theirs was a genuine, joyful romantic love before it all gets in thrown. Edinburgh. Got stabbed, and he in like, Edinburgh, which is a magical place. Remember when he got stabbed? He was like, we should have stayed in bed. I know. <laughs> that he is was a romantic right. yeah. line when you hear that. We yeah. should have stayed in bed. And it shows bed. you the development because, yeah, we're cutting back to two years from Avengers and Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. or Civil War, that is. We're like, mm-hmm. time has passed. I mean, you know, Marvel's kind of like, I don't know exactly how much time, but they said we've been stealing these moments for the past two years. So that's why I was like, okay, it's two years since Civil War. And I got to add, the, the one thing, like, on this theme about trading lives, the, the, the crazy thing, for such a dark movie, it is so optimistic mm-hmm. because uh, their whole thing the whole time is like, and you can watch this movie being like, it's totally valid to watch this movie and be like, nah, Vision should just leave and, like, take care of whatever. You can, you can have those interpretations of, like, whether it's really worth, like, putting a whole nation at risk for one person. Like, these are real questions, but right. the movie gives you one potential answer, and that is that ultimately when they do that, when they make that choice, Thanos just takes it back anyway. And it suggests that it, unlike movies where you get interested in how much of my humanity can I lose to be a hero, that is an interesting question. We've seen it done well in Netflix Marvel. We've seen it done really well in Dark Knight. But there's a different – this almost refutes that because it sort of says, look, if you make mm-hmm. that choice, you'll lose anyway. And well, now you've lost everything. Remember right. when Vision – and when they were in Wakanda and that's when Steve said we don't trade lives and Vision said, look – What's the difference of my life? You laid down your, how many lives did you lay down your life for those years ago? Millions of lives. And he was like, well, I had a choice. I have a choice. Mm. You know, they're both talking about their choices right. and decisions. Mm-hmm. And it, that, again, the humanity of it all, the, the sacrifice, all of these elements, like we keep saying, keep coming back. No matter, keep putting it in your face. And remember, this is the undercurrent. Like you said, Robert, this is the undercurrent. This is what it is. Well, and that's why the movie is so damn good because you've got scenes. There, there are two moments in this film that I, I remember. One is when they're rushing the, the energy border mm-hmm. at Wakanda, and you see Steve Rogers and T'Challa take off together. Yeah. Oh, I my mean, God. That was, that, yes. was just, that was just a moment where you're, you know, it, it, it's all about the, the team up. You know, right then and there, you got right. that moment. And the right. other moment that I was, I've seen the movie twice and was taken aback by is Rocket and Thor. When Thor is talking rabbit. to Rocket, Sweet and rabbit. when Thor is crying. Yes. He's actually he sheds a tear like a god is shedding a tear and he's thinking about what was lost and his brother and all this. And and Rocket Raccoon for because Rocket does not get enough credit. It's like in Guardians 2 and they're talking about he's kind of sh- sitting by himself and they're kind of making fun of him and Rocket's just like, you know, I I didn't ask for this. Right. But he also is sympathetic as much as they make him a wisecracking when he's looking at Thor, he's like 
I don't know, quite know what to do with this right now. Right. And there's this great moment between <laughs> them. And the fact that we're watching a movie about a, a, a space-faring Norse god and a cybernetically enhanced talking <laughs> raccoon, <laughs> and that we care about them. Getting emotional. And that you, this is a testament to what great fantasy filmmaking writ large in the big screen can be. And this is why this movie made more money than any other movie in the history of cinema because people, made- people were expecting that because there's a caliber of excellence that has been going on like you said the reason that that scene with black panther and captain america matters to us with them both running together is because we had civil war where they're chasing each other but they're the only ones who can run that fast yeah. Yeah. now we see them both running that fast and they're the first to jump up in unison together to attack those whatever crab creatures whatever the hell they're called the outriders so let's talk about thanos and the black order so we have this introduction to these evil oh. villains that are not just, you know, they're Thanos's, you know, he's there, go do this, go do that, get these stones. So we got Ebony Maw. Like, to me, I'll just say right off the bat, we got Proxima Midnight, Call Obsidian, and what's the Florida Elven Flight, dude? Florida yeah, Flight. so to me, Ebony Maw was the standout. Oh, now, yes. they might have taken care of his ass quickly, <laughs> but when he starts floating around in New York, you know what I saw? As a little kid, I saw Hulk number six, Steve Ditko, and the Metal Master. I don't know if you remember that character, but those were his exact movements. He would stand and float around on stuff and like throw metal at people. He is, you know, I don't know, you could talk to the Russos or Marcus and McFeely. I know whoever did that, the designed Emmett Maw in this movie was directly sucking from Hulk number six, Metal <laughs> Master, because it looked like him, especially some of those moves and the way Steve Ditko, the way he stood, everything there. Well, he imprisons Thor. Yeah, he does. He imprisons Thor. Yeah, so that's when we get the. Oh, I know the. What a great pure evil, too. yeah, so good. <laughs> kind of like the mouth of Sauron at the end of Return of the King when he comes out and speaks. I mean, it yes. was. A, I love those henchman characters. I also was reminded of Doctor Deal Good in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Ooh, yes, Ooh, you know, yes. break a deal yes. through the wheel. Yeah. Dying times here. Yes. You know, it was kind yeah. of that whole. He reminded me of that, but he's much more quiet. Mm-hmm. And how he would just stand there and cut cut cars in half. Oh, that was so he badass. Was, he was a powerful badass. That whole battle in New York with him Amazing. was Amazing. Oh, it was awesome. Because yeah. how long it took them to actually get, they never really got him. No, they no. did not. They never got him because he ended up He tra- won then too. He yeah. won because he ended up trapping Strange and if the cloak finally let him out the first time. Yeah. And then he put him in rocks. But the proclamations he does, <laughs> rejoice. You are about to be murdered. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You're about to be spared. Yes. By the great Thanos. Like he gives those proclamations. Yeah, he was the he was the the strength of those four. I mean, I think Corvus Glaive and, Bro- and Proxima. I think they're, they're those, the warriors. They're the warriors. They and they did their job. Yeah. And I think Cole was just like the Hulk of the team, like mm. this giant, unstoppable creature. But I, I mean, I don't know if you were in the audience when everybody's like, "Oh!" When he gets his arm chopped off, like when oh, like sweet <laughs> severs so that arms there, like, like people are like, "Oh!" Freaking out. Wong, you're invited to my wedding. Yeah, Wong is awesome. Let's talk about some of these characters. Let's. I mean, how about that introductory scene? You know, where I love when you see the you see both <laughs> so Tony and Pepper just right. running in Central Park or wherever, yeah. and then you get to see Wong and because superheroes got to eat. Yep, they literally and they're talking <laughs> about going to the <laughs> deli. How much? Got, how much? You know, how many rupees is that? It's about a buck fifty. About, about, about fifty. <laughs> you know, this kind of stuff. They didn't have to put. I'm sure a studio note would be like, why don't we just get to it? You don't need to have them talking about their civilian lives. But it's that extra added flavor that endears those characters to you even more. You truly need those moments. Yes. The fact is, like, everyone laughed so loud upon the first, like, like whatever uh, Ben and Jerry's flavor that Tony Stark had. It's a bit chalky. People are cracking up. Start craving hazelnuts. 
Stark Raven Hazel that I didn't hear about the Hulk of Hulk of Burning Love. love. <laughs> I didn't even hear that I didn't, yeah. until I saw it a second time. So, I mean, those little moments are super important. So let's talk about Iron Man and Doctor Strange, Tony Stark and Stephen Strange, and the two assholes of the group, literally of the Marvel Universe, the douchebags, fi- finally meeting <laughs> each other. Strange calls Stark a douchebag. Oh, no. it's, it's so amazing. I didn't even, I never thought about it when I was watching these trailers for Avengers Infinity War, even though they're in the same scenes together i never thought about they're gonna butt heads because mm. they're both alpha males they both are so egotistical to have them both having to make decisions mm-hmm. together i loved every moment of them and plus then chuck peter parker in there i i, I there's another are you his I, ward <laughs> are you his ward i was <laughs> like what the, the idea that ultimately they put both of them and peter and peter quill on the same like they put all the quipsters together so that you could start to differentiate them which is yes. a crazy like like a, a crazy move but uh i there's a moment in the sanctum that i and i i've been saying this about different lines every day but right now this to me is the whole movie uh it is the two line exchange uh that they have in front of the cauldron uh, because I love, like, we all love the jokes that sort of put a lampshade on the ridiculousness of fantasy universes. Mm, right. We all laugh at them. They're frequently very funny. In Jessica Jones, they make fun of Kilgraven's name in every episode because they're like, look, we know it's ridiculous. His name is ridiculous. There's, it's a whole genre of joke, of joke. They give a lot of them to Tony Stark. Uh, when he's, it's his first response to Thor. But what I loved is they had another of the all-time great Tony Stark lampshades the ridiculousness of this comic book universe, and then they subverted it. Because the reply, when he says, did you seriously just say, hitherto undreamt of? And he goes, are you seriously leaning on, on the cauldron, cauldron of whatever? Yeah. And what it does is you get to laugh at it, and then it goes, but are you not taking this seriously? Because the fate of the world is actually at stake. And if you can't take that seriously, then you're going to have trouble with this movie. Because if you can't accept the stakes yes. of this mm-hmm. universe, and Tony Stark says, I'll give you that one. Yes. And it's, it's this perfect like mission statement for the whole thing of like, yeah, we're going to laugh at the ridiculousness, but if you can't invest in a what if, like, but what if the universe were going to be destroyed? What would you do? I'm so glad you said that because that was so important to establish that the multiple respect level for both of these very alpha male <laughs> egotistical people had to come to play when that ultimate sacrifice came to the It's even told when, when Ebony Mao has Strange and he says, you come to save your friend. He was like, no, this is more like a professional courtesy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is a professional courtesy. Like, they, but they, they aren't teammates, but again, there's a common goal right now. And again, like you said, if it comes to you or the kid, I will not hesitate to let you die. But he did, and he, he, did, he, and he, he gave it up. So, why I mean, did you do that? That's what I mean. It's sort of like these kinds of sacrifices are throughout the entire film. Let's talk about Thor, Groot, and Rocket Raccoon. So they originally, obviously, the whole team finds Thor. They bounce off. Rocket's like, I'm going to go with him, and let's go, let's go start this star up, son, and let's get this Stormbreaker built. you really went because you're scared of Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I don't know if I – I, I kind of didn't like that. I felt – I thought Rocket was like – I don't know. That was the one line where I, both times I was thinking to myself, I think you're underestimating Rocket. I think he really does want those weapons. Yes, I, he think, does. I think he's, that's what he's interested in. He's, I don't think Rocket Raccoon is scared of anything. No. Honestly. I and, don't and, Or maybe he's scared of something. Well, but you find out in Guardians He's got too, a lot to lose. He's scared. He said, he's scared of being alone. He found that's out. what I was going to say. He's scared of being alone. That's, that's what he, he, he now has. He's seeing here's a new player on the stage that we don't know about. He's going to get things that I like, mm-hmm. weapons. And what does he have? He's got his – remember, when we first met them in Guardians, it's Groot and Rocket. 
That's right. their yep. team, and they're going off together the way they always did, the way they worked in the in the, in the beginning mm-hmm. together. So it's not like they're doing something unexpected. Right. They're going mm-hmm. off to see maybe something here. But this is the this is out. the group that can't stop playing video games. This is the teenage group, the new group playing that, that we- terrible that game Defender. <laughs> I had that. Defender. It was terrible. You know, it's pretty bad. So, <laughs> but like, group. Yeah, but you know, mm. hey, look, some of those games are pretty cool. Head to head football. Let's go. Yeah, son. but it was Let's cool because that's what kids today are doing. Groot was a kid of today. I love that. I love that he was obsessed with that video game because that is pretty much what you know i would until do when i was that young. Yeah, yeah that's right until it counted and everyone stepped up when it came to that came to getting stormbreaker brought and that's a little easter egg that no one's really talking about stormbreaker is the the coming of beta ray bill yes. so you best yep. believe <laughs> yes, that is. they're setting that up son like you know taika was like wanted to bring that into into ragnarok it's just not uh, there was not enough story and they didn't want to do a disservice to the ballad of Beta Ray Bill. So that's what I'm thinking. Ragnarok 2 is going to be, oh, we got the Stormbreaker and Thor gets a new hammer. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about T'Challa, Oko, and Shuri. So we get Wakanda forever. We get to come back and revisit Wakanda. Two months later. Two months later. <laughs> what you say? When you said you were opening the borders of Wakanda, I didn't think you meant this. He was like, what did you think? The Olympics? Yeah. <laughs> this is like the Olympics? Right. Talk you, about topical humor. Yes. The Olympics ended, what, two months ago? No, yes. It was like the Olympics. And it was funny because she's always been against it. She's consistently been against That's opening true. up Wakanda to the world. And so she was like, yeah, just do the Olympics. Get them in, get them out. And that was it. <laughs> and then to see the ship come in, the Quinjet come in with all of them. Mm-hmm. And then Rhodey ribbing Pete Bruce was the great. He's like, should I, should I bow? Yes, yeah, King, go ahead and bow. And he starts bowing. He's like, what are you doing? We, we don't do that. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? That dynamic is already kind of established within those actors themselves. They like they have that bit of that dynamic that I think maybe the writers or the Russo brothers picked up on. And they're like, we're going to team you guys up a little, have that back and forth happening. So, Well, I really like, you're talking about Ruffalo. I like the fact that Ruffalo is Ruffalo the whole movie. Yes. You see Hulk in the beginning, which was again an. Wait, wait, let's not talk about Hulk yet. I want to. Okay. I want to stay on Wakanda. Well, okay, for a well, okay. So, the, the the thing about what I love about Wakanda too is, Shiri, she's like, well, why didn't you just make it this way? And Vision and, looking and, at Bruce. And, well, and then yeah. we, we didn't think about that. <laughs> I mean, I love the fact that Wakanda is still the people in Wakanda are still the most technologically advanced and smartest people on the planet yes. Earth. And you've got you know Shiri is smarter than Banner. And Stark, like, yeah, why did you, which is pretty cool. Also, the nice part when they kept they reminded you because I kept telling people, Vision is part Ultron. Mm-hmm. Everybody keep everybody they was like, oh, Ultron's dead. Like, no, he's technically not fully dead. Right, part of him is in Vision. Yep, he was like, he's Vision. He's the Stone. He's Banner. He's Stark. Yep, he you know he's Jarvis. All this. I agree. I mean, I think, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen to the now gray ghost-like vision, which is very similar to the West Coast Avengers vision, yep. which I, I feel like they're going to be popping off of West Coast Avengers very soon. If they don't make an, an announcement for Phase 4 West Coast Avengers, I'm going to eat this plastic cup. I'm not. I'm just going to drink from it. But uh, I think that that's, that's going to happen. Scarlet Witch, Vision, Hawkeye. I mean, it can happen. Will Moon Knight quite... be a part of the West Coast event? You know what? It very well he's could on, happen. He's potentially um, coming up. We could have a Defenders happen in Avengers 4 because with those rights coming back, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I want to talk about that a little bit. I don't even want to talk. Well, I'll come back to that. 
Forget about that. My Let's mind about, your thoughts are about the yeah. ending. Should I save them for when we're talking save about it, the ending? Save okay. it. I wanted to mention Wakanda. I, I love the moments where it's like, because if you saw Black Panther, you understand how Black Panther's new suit works. Mm-hmm. You saw elements of that. They didn't say anything about it. Nope. But those purple blasts of energy, you know that he's absorbing and then bam, exploding stuff. I mean, that's so cool. I mean, to me, I love the moments that add up from if you've seen all the other films, it's just secondhand. It's just, it's just, we don't need to explain anything. You know what's happening. And the team up again with him and M'Baku, because it wasn't just a one-shot deal in Black Panther versus Killmonger. Right. And then when M'Baku shakes his hand, he says, thank you for coming to assist us. You're welcome, brother. That was huge. That, that yeah. was a huge, yeah. huge moment. That was a huge moment. Must have been a very interesting two months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? You know, because, again, in, in Black Panther... You're the first king that's come to the mountains in centuries, mm-hmm. and you need my help. And then after you help, we again, this past two months, there's been more. T'Challa's becoming a different type of king. We can't exclude the Jabari. And right. then there, you know, clearly Wakabi's in jail because he, yeah. he's, he's, he was right. not there. <laughs> right. he clearly Those that are left. <laughs> Those that are yeah. like, because where's the rhinos? Like, you know, the rhinos could have did, he didn't kill him, he just. There's some pro- there's some issues happening outside of this movie that have been dealt with. Right. Yeah. But you know, you're touching on something that makes a lot of the people that don't understand the appeal of these films, it's because they're so well thought out. Because mm-hmm. they give you these moments that, that that it ties right back into Black Panther, which ties back into back into Civil War. I mean, you're getting these little bits of character tidbits, flavor, yes. as you say, John, that are valid and you feel them. They're earned. So when they happen, you're going Yes! And they're just these little nuggets mm-hmm. spread throughout. The people that don't get these movies are never going to know that joy. Let's they talk about Banner versus the Hulk. So you were starting to talk about Banner. I think Banner kind of crisscrosses through every single talk one of these characters. Talk about the beginning part when the Hulk gets the... He thinks he's whooping Thanos and then Call of City is going to jump in. Ebony Ma says, let him have his fun. Oh, yes. And if you don't... Because you didn't realize, let him have his fun... And then Thanos just gets up and says, all right, enough of it. And Bam. just beats the foof off of the Hulk. Right, because it's so easy to forget that Thanos not only is the same size as the Hulk, but is actually stronger. Actually stronger. It's yet to be seen if he's stronger, but he's a better fighter. Oh, I mean, yeah. And that's the thing that where I think the Hulk has just gotten used to just beating the shit out of people on Ragnarok and, I mean, in the Thor Ragnarok movie on uh, Sakaar. Mm-hmm. So I feel like... He's like, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, easily Hulk out. He's that and then raw he gets fighter. Ass beat, yeah. and, and that was a great fight. I mean, Thanos takes Yo, him the moves, out. He, the moves he was doing. <laughs> you were like, that was the that was the initial part for me where I knew I was fully invested in Thanos. The way they had him fighting, yep. because it was fluid. It didn't look like CGI. No, it was incredible. We know it's yeah. mocap, but it was so <clears throat> fluid. The way it was moving was like. So we oh, got uh-huh. we got now we got Banner with performance issues. Hulk is like, no, I'm not coming out. He's not going to turn into the Hulk. So I was like, my guess is that the Banner when in Avengers Four is going to become the Red Hulk, and we're going to get a, re- a rematch with Thanos, and th- he's going to be he's not going to be green anymore. He's going to be bright, beat red, and like ah. <laughs> There's going to be a beat down. All the better faces, though, when he was trying, when he was with Dr. Strange, and he was like, and you yeah. saw the, I like how now we see it slowly trickling up. That was really yeah. cool. And then Tony Stark was like, so so you just going to embarrass me in front of the wizard? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, the half and half face effect. That was, was the best a, part. A brilliant it's it's Jekyll and Hyde done right. Yeah. Okay. Do, do any of you, when, when Captain America and Nat show up, and it, oh. they don't make a big deal about this, but Falcon does but, it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is awkward. Captain America and ba- Black Widow are an item. What? 
what? Yeah, they are an item. That's the only reason. That's the only in this movie. That's why they're they're an item now because that's why Falcon said this This is is awkward awkward. because he when they last saw before they left in Age Ultra after Age before Age Ultron, him and Nat were trying to establish something. Yep, Cap Steve was on his own. Right, and then of course after Civil War and everything, it was just been Cap, Black Widow, and Falcon. Yeah. Remember, Banner's been gone for years. Well, I know that that's awkward because Nat and Bruce used to be a thing, and they are not now. But like, Bruce thinks they're gonna pick back up but where they, they cut. Up. The way it's cut, the way- you go to you go to you go to Black Widow. You see him walk out. Hey, Nat. There's a there's a lingering pause. Oh, you Steve's are absolutely been, supposed to think. Like, so what was going on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was. I I I thought it was heartbreaking. Actually, I'm like, I oh, I didn't I didn't catch that watch vibe. It. I thought watch I thought. It. I thought that uh, Falcon was like, this is awkward because they haven't ha- talked yet. Yes. I don't. I'm, I'm going to watch it again on my third it's viewing. It's awkward. Look at Because, because they're, look in they're in a relationship. relationship. They the are all- not. He, like, the end, fast forward to the ending. Does Steve check on Natasha? No. He's, look, he's, he's just t- he knows Tasha, no matter when it comes to fighting, he knows Natasha can hold her own. His love interest is Sharon and the love of his life is Bucky. And like, there's, I mean, Natasha's <laughs> his, his good, good friend. All right. I we, don't we know. We have split the panel. I'm with Amy, but let's move on. Gamora, Star-Lord, and Nebula. So Oof. Gamora mm-hmm. and her, her interactions with Quill and Gamora and her interactions with Nebula are some of the emotional core of this film. Absolutely. Um, and her, obviously, Gamora's interactions with Thanos are the darkest and most deeply felt emotional moments through this film, Gamora sacrifices herself with the idea behind it that someone's got her back. Like either Nebula, who she already told about, you know, Vormir and the Soul Stone, and then now Quill, who then, even when he finally does do it, bubbles. Because Thanos is like... Mm playing with him the whole time. And that's the whole, the whole thing about Thanos is he's the key master. He's, he's got this thing on lock. He's manipulating everybody to the point where, like, that's why towards the end where you're like, oh, man, I, don't, I know how this is going to go. You know how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's nothing you can do that can stop it. And even with Thor, with that hammer, there's nothing you can do that can and stop it. And the only it. reason he was able to do that whole scenario where we saw with Quill, Gamora, and Thanos was because he had just got the stone, the ether. Because if he didn't have the ether, Gamora was dead unless he teleported them out of there. You know, she was gone. And for him to sit there and say, no, no, here's these bubbles. Right. And Quill, like, he had that look. Yep. Like, what is? And he's like, I like you. It's like, you don't want to be liked by this guy. <laughs> That's the worst <laughs> thing you can say. Wait, when he calls him, ah, the boyfriend. Right. <laughs> I was like, That's a dad. That was the dad in him. Mm-hmm. The boyfriend. Mm-hmm. He's like, I like him. Mm-mm, mm-mm. So let's talk about Nebula and, and Gamora. So we a horrifying scene of Nebula being tortured on a modern day rack shows you the true cruelty of Thanos. Like whatever you thought you might think about Thanos and as half this, half that shows you what an evil bastard he really is. Mm-hmm. And, and he's straight out of the comics. Yeah. And he, I love that he says that she snuck aboard his ship to try and kill him and she almost well, succeeded. succeeded. I love the fact that they dropped those little nuggets. That's kind of what Star Wars did when it was yes. great. Mm. It, that bounty hunter we ran into on Ordman mm. nearly changed my mind or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, what was that story? I mean, I would love to have seen when Nebula snuck aboard the ship and almost killed Thanos. Then it, it, it establishes that Nebula is a real threat yes. to Thanos. And that's the reason she's on Iraq. I mean, she's she's dangerous and she is formidable in her own right it's not like they don't undercut that thanos says right away she almost killed me and you're like okay she's she's a badass 
So that's why she's also there, they take tortured. out the hole from the comics. He has impenetrable skin, but they changed it for that. again. They gave him that lifelike element where he can be stabbed. Right. Yeah. He can be hurt, and you're like, oh, okay, but. In the same breath, too, he's like, all this for that one plot drop. Oh, yeah. For that Do you one think that's going to be a plot thing? Do, like, I, mm, I don't know. I'm just curious it's, if that what? line is going to mean something different to us. It could because I feel Strange's like plan. the Avengers 4 is going to mirror a lot of things that happen in this movie. It's going to flip a lot of things because everyone, everyone was Iron Man or Captain America, Iron Man or Captain America. Guess what? All of us were wrong. Iron Man and Captain America don't die. Everybody else does. It's like, <laughs> literally, you had, let's talk about deaths. You had Heimdall, de- oh. dead. Loki, dead. dead. You had Gamora, dead. You had Vision, dead. And that happens, and they're dead. Now, brutal, people, brutal deaths, Brutal too. and horrifying oh. deaths. Now, if after the snap happens and all these people turn to dust, we kind of can take a wild guess and say, all those people are going to be coming back, and the people who are actually going to die are the ones who are left alive. Captain America, Iron Man. The people who are left alive are the ones who are going to have to ultimately sacrifice the origi- themselves. The original six. The yeah, original the six. So it feels, it feels like we saw Iron Man get stabbed, and Ooh. Doctor Strange had to sacrifice the stone. For his life, I feel we're going to see that mirror image. Either Tony Tony Stark is going to put on that Infinity Glove and sacrifice himself to reverse and flip time or something. There's going to be images where he sacrifices himself for Strange and all these other people. I feel like that's why this film is even more important to Avengers 4 and how they link up. I mean, it's going to have a lot of these things. Can I just, I like, if you had told me some years ago that I would walk around and say Gamora and Nebula are the heart of the Marvel Universe, I would never have believed <laughs> you. But it was incredible. Like, she, and it's, it's, it, it's interesting. I'm curious to see how my opinion evolves over time. Because they ran a real risk with Gamora's storyline. Like, she's, for me, she's basically the main character of the movie. Yes. And she dies partway through. And technically, she dies and two other dudes' plot lines get advanced because of it. But they subvert that by, A, making Peter Quill kind of his, like, normal, terrible self. Uh, like, if he, had, if he had been one of those left behind at the end, I'd be a little more mad about it because I'd be like, oh, you just did this to make him angry. But there's more going on than that. They gave right. her more to do than that. And her scenes were some of the most powerfully affecting. And... This is cheating if you know comics, but she gets anybody whose death is associated with the soul gem. We already know this may not be the end of that story. Right. Uh, we have a lot of reasons to believe that somebody popping out of the soul gem is one of the chief ways to come at Thanos. Right. But like she, she, Zoe Saldana was just the MVP. We were talking about she changes her performance every time she's around Josh Brolin as Thanos to become that childhood self. Right. Like that past scene of him raising her, all the stuff about like, I made you strong, but I didn't teach you how to lie. The payoff for Guardians 2 when Nebula says the one thing you never did was to help me when I was being tortured. That's why you know that Gamora, who's completely yes. willing to die for this, cannot do that to Nebula one more time. Right. Like just, it, she was the heart of this movie in so many ways well that's a good point i mean i would go even further and say a lot of people have criticized the mcu and said well where's your front and center female character while you know wonder woman came out Mm. this film is so relies so much on all of the female characters to be a a, a vital part Mm -hmm. from from scarlet witch 
to Nebula, to Gamora, to Black Widow, to Shuri. The, I mean, it's there's so much feminine energy, you know, that that keeps this together. I agree. Let's talk about Scarlet Witch. Let's talk about Scarlet Witch and the Vision. I feel like <sighs> this. I mean, as you say, it's Gamora's film. I almost feel it's Scarlet Witch's film. You're I right. Feel I'm like, going to say this a hundred times. I'm going to be like, it's actually about this. It's actually but, about Peter Parker's because the because they really did a great job in like sharing the storylines to a point where they all culminate. Where yeah. it feels like. We really are at a. I remember at a moment in the middle of the film, I was like, "Man, they are really doing that Star Wars thing right." Where you're cutting between, you're on Titan, then you're over on Wakanda. So cool, and it's, oh. and it's these micro cuts where you're like right in the middle of something with Thor about to get his. Then you're cutting back to Wakanda. Then you're cut. So I mean, I feel like every single moment of this film, there's not a moment wasted. And I feel like even if some people are like, "Oh, these scenes are in the trailer, and I didn't see this or I didn't see that," I'm sure those reasons that they they were cut out is because of of pacing issues and you're like look you didn't get to see Thor raise his hammer and get that electricity because you get to see that triumphant shot where they show up oh as Wakanda and they just let loose and, <laughs> and it's he Thor jumps is in the air. So I mean that's when you're like yes when you just see <laughs> Stormbreaker flying around yeah just and people are everything. screaming in the theater now we might have re- reacted with, with happiness when he's like raising getting that electricity that we might have seen in the trailer but there's no way it would have gotten that reaction like I've seen twice now people just letting loose screaming when Thor is back mm-hmm. and Thor getting his hammer back. I know he didn't really need the hammer because it was in him. That's the teachings of Waka- of Ragnarok are like, you've always been the God of thunder. Now he's got, but he had to have that hammer because to him, that's what is the, ultimately it channels his energy. So I feel like Scarlet, Witch, her powers, especially over the last two years, like I think she's the most powerful Avenger. Now, the reason I think that is because, they showed it in this movie, but it's because of her hex powers and the ability. When you think about someone, if they're like, so you got something coming at you, and like you throw that, it's going to mess that up. She doesn't necessarily know how it's going to mess it up because she doesn't have full control over that, but she does know enough that it's going to stop it. It's going to do, going to do her will to some way. Mm-hmm. It also sets up one of the great jokes of the movie when Akoya is like. Why was she an amazing performance moment from Denai Guerrero that again leads to real okay there's yes. a, a, sorry the, uh, there's a great commentary on uh, I, I don't remember where this comes from now but it's about Wrath of Khan and it's about how the action scenes in Wrath of Khan are great because every shot that's fired matters to the story yes. and it's, it's one of those things that you aspire to when you're telling stories that have action in them yeah. and the thing is Scarlet Witch leaves she wrecks shop it's really cool and instantly after she makes that decision and Akoya makes that wonderful joke with the uh, face of the midnight it. gives the order it says she's on the field move and you're like oh shit it has consequences right everything has consequences they were trying to draw her out and it worked because she's learned, the only thing that can protect the vision well they learned from yeah. that interaction in yes. Scotland when she was handling both Proxima Midnight and Corvus Glaive yes because they you know after he got stabbed but when Okoye makes that face it was like why, why, why do we keep her up there? That line right. delivery, too. Yeah, the line is like, why do we keep her why was she upstairs the whole time? I need to know that she's a big part of the next one. I hope that they are paying enough attention to know that she needs to be like a presence in the next one. Sorry well, it feels, it feels like that, that it's, it's set up that way as far as, as far as the ending. But let's talk a little bit about some of the characters that were unfortunately, I'd say, sidelined or minimized. So we're not talking about Hawkeye or Ant-Man. They're literally not in the film at all, even one shot of them. They're simply, because of the Accords and their family situation, they're on a separate mission or they got literally sidelined. Which also makes sense. It does. I mean, that's a great reason. I think that we're probably, my guess would be that we're probably going to see Hawkeye and Ant-Man and the Wasp. I don't know the exact timeline, but I think, 
Ant-Man and the Wasp takes place between Civil War and, and Infinity War. So I don't know if Hawkeye gets brought in later. We don't know how that's all going to work out. But we do know that both of those characters are in Avengers 4. Cap, Black Panther, Bucky, Falcon, and War Machine, I feel, were all kind of sidelined and minimized to a certain degree. They had to be. Why? Because the, all these other characters that we're talking about come front and center. So even with, I mean, Iron Man and Doctor Strange sharing a lot of the screen time, you know, Cap, Bucky really had a few interactions and a, just a few moments. They were all given their moments. Every character had a moment, but they really were like third characters. You know, they were not allowed to. They're, they're part of the team, but they didn't get their shine on. So, I think that's because of four. Yeah, I do too. I, I think it's because yes. of four. You don't. You, the reason they don't shine here is because it'll be reversed. Oh yeah. Come the next film. Oh yeah. And, and this film's on such a cosmic scale. None of those characters are really traditionally cosmic characters. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that they had to play it that way because, and that's why you know they shine at the end. I love Cap's introduction. Oh the train God. goes by. So fantastic. Oh, you just see the silhouette. The silhouette. He the steps out in the most light. Badass. Yes. Yeah. And then she throws that and he's like, catches it. We've seen it in the trailer. But it's so awesome in the movie. So I feel everyone got their, their moments. But I mean, you know, if anyone had to be sacrificed, you're talking about 38, 40 characters. Everybody got their moments. But some of them were minimized. And I didn't find myself like, oh, I wish Cap had more screen time. He was in it just enough. And we know. With there's an Avengers four, and he's one of the ones that's left. Let's talk about some of the surprises. Dinklage yes! plays the the hammer making giant dwarf Etri. We got Red Skull showing up as the Soul Stones gatekeeper, Mister Death. They didn't have Mrs. Death; she wasn't in it. Hella wasn't in it. So you had the Red Skull kind of playing that role, which is amazing. The name drop of Alars, Thanos's dad. That Red Skull mentions, who also happens to be an Eternal, yep. as is Thanos, <laughs> the Eternals, because they also go back to nowhere, which is the skull of a Celestial. So all of these little micro setups and major setups, I mean, Red Skull was had me floored. Let's talk about Dinklage, first of all. I mean, I mean, we all knew Dinklage was in the movie. We didn't know what he was going to play. He's Two the, roles, technically. Yeah, what's that? The, isn't he the voice of Corvus Glaive? So he's officially not the voice. He's just, he's just the dwarf. He's just the dwarf. Yeah. Okay. Okay, because I thought he was, because at first well, when they heard no, that was, was a lot like, of people saying that, but that, okay. Again, guy. one of the joys of this movie, and we talked about this, John, in this day and age with the internet and everybody spoiling everything and Reddit threads and this, that, and the other thing, the fact that we didn't know anything about this movie when we saw it. Yeah. The, we saw it the day after the premiere. Nobody had spoiled anything. Right. I mean, I, I got into it with Scott Mendelson because he leads off his review oh talking about how this movie was one half. It's, it's like The Hunger Games, Mocking J 1 and 2, or like The Maze Runner. The only I'm way like, to stay safe is to not read anything and go see the movie. So if you've seen the movie and you're watching this, awesome. If you haven't, that's on you because you know that we're talking about spoilers. The internet is not a safe place. People doing movie what, reviews is not a I safe What I thought place. was irresponsible, though, is this movie doesn't end on a cliffhanger. Let's not it talk ends, about him. I don't care about well, that. No, but it's definitive. The end of the movie is definitive. And right. I thought that was one of the great things about it. And we knew nothing about this film. Nothing. I knew nothing. Yeah. Other I didn't, than with the trailers. I didn't know that, they straight up lied to us, and I'm glad. And yes. when, like, Dinklage, when Dinklage showed up, what a great role for him to play. It I wasn't mean, Pimp the Troll. He was just a giant he dwarf. He was a giant dwarf. He was the guy who makes the fucking the weapons, which was amazing and so important that we brought in Stormbreaker. So I feel like and you forgot he was even in it. You have Thor. I mean, none, none of us who watched the trailers thought Thor was going to get his eye back. They went out of their way <laughs> to actually add the eye patching scenes that aren't even in the movie. On top of it, yeah, 
it's I mean, that kind of thing is fantastic. I mean, there's little details like you see the armored plating of Cap's original Marvel comic book plates, like the plates that he wears in the comic books underneath that vest. There's little reveals here and there that you keep seeing. Let's talk about Red Skull and his him being the gatekeeper of the Soul Stone. Now, did anybody see that happening? I didn't. No, I'm just glad because everybody kept being like, oh, he's dead. He's dead. It's like he never died in First Avenger. He was transported. And again, the 10-year payoff. Unbelievable. The 10-year payoff. Because it was like, when does this character come back? And now he comes back protecting. He was like, I too have tried to find the stones. Because it's that quick callback to what he did in First Avenger. Yes. I too was trying to find the power of the stones. And now I'm burdened with protecting, you know, telling people the journey they have to take about the soul stone. And it was great, him in the cloak and everything. Like you said, the, the, the Herald announcement. You know, Thanos, son of, I can't remember his father's name again. Uh, Alars. Alars. Gamora, daughter of Thanos. Just- yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's what, that, to me, is, it makes perfect sense. And also, like, fills in a lot of things without making it overly complicated. If Hela was in there, or death and, and, and Thanos' infatuation, that's the whole reason he's getting that snap happening. They didn't have to bring that in. It overcomplicates it. And for some of us who've read all the comics, we're, like, trying to weave things together. And we're like, no, I think they just simplified it so much so that's what made it so strong. Well, like, we, we talk a lot about faithfulness. And what we usually mean is that we want people who are adapting material to respect that material. Mm-hmm. But this is one of the best examples I can think of of... Like, being faithful to the spirit of the stories you're taking, but also paying attention to the thing you've built over ten years. Yes. Like, Red Skull isn't the guardian of the soul world in the comics, but you have the right groundwork that makes that choice make perfect sense and come as a surprise to us and feel true to what's going on. Because, like, of course the soul gem would take... Like, of course. Of course it would. And it's not Yugo Weaving that got a sound-alike guy who did a great job. Because he's he's known for doing impersonations, they're like, "Why don't you impersonate but Hugo Weaving?" So it's, it, changes you didn't that it. do honor yeah. to the movie versions are cool. Like Groot's arm being the handle of the axe—that is perfect for the MCU. You yes. have built something out of the pieces you made, and my hat is off it's to so you. And that's amazing. why well, you know when people complain about the Mandarin or something, I'm like, "No, no, no! It's not. It, 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 it does exactly what you just said it did." But what I love about the idea of the Red Skull. It's the same thing like at the end of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade when you have a Nazi grabbing the chalice, you know, and drinking, you chose poorly. Mm -hmm. The Red Skull, he had lost his soul. That's why in trying to wield the Tesseract, that's why the Infinity Stone got him because here's a man that he lost his soul in doing what he did. That's Mm -hmm. why this is, this is why this is the same thing. It's so great. It's, It's a tradition in fantasy literature when a character doesn't have the stones or doesn't have the, his, his, he doesn't, he's lost his soul in being evil or whatever. This is what he's doomed. This is like going to hell. It's like crossing down the river sticks. Yes. Yeah. This is what your fate is. And he because you're him. an ass. He yep. said that he was like, I, I can never wield it. Yep. I can never wield it. Cause for two things, he doesn't have a soul and he has no one he loves. Right. Those are the two reasons Red Skull can never wield the Soul Stone. It's classic Pretty fantasy yes, literature. And the sacrifice therein. I mean, oh. all of it really horribly works great. Let's talk about Korg, Meek, and Valkyrie. What happened to those guys? Uh. Well, we don't know, but we do know at the very beginning of the movie, if, it, if you saw Thor Ragnarok, it ends with Thanos' ship. And then it starts with basically the whatever that, uh, you know, Sakaar's giant ship just in flames is half of it cut in half? A lot of people are saying it's half of the ship. But my guess is that half of the Asgardians, including Meek, 
Korg and Valkyrie got into a couple of skate pods. That's what got everybody the was wondering. It was like, where's Valkyrie? Where's yeah. Korg and Meek? Yeah. And again, that's like Lady Sif and Thor Ragnarok. Not seeing them doesn't mean that they're already dead. Again, Avengers 4 has to happen. We don't know who pops up. Again, I would love to see Korg and Meek have an interaction with Drax. That would make my heart melt. That has to happen. That has to happen. Yeah, that actually has to happen. Yeah. And you know that they've planned it, and they've already shot it. Yeah, it's a one-shot. Feige's been dropping that left and right. He's like, you know what? I love Korg and Meek. They'd be really cool with that one-shot thing we used to do. They probably, it's in the can. Let's talk about the snap. Now, what does it mean? Now that Thanos is just a farmer watching the sunset with that shit-eating grin on his face... Who's going to smack that grin off of his face? Is he inside the soul stone, like as in the comics? How is this going to play out? Who's going to wear that? Is Nebula going to wear that gauntlet, that fried-out gauntlet that barely works? Is it going to be Stark who does that ultimate sacrifice? What the hell is going to happen in Avengers 4? What do you think? I can hope Captain Marvel. I can hope. But it may be, I think Stark will finally make a sacrifice he's never had to make. I think we might get that one because that is the only way you can really like get rid of them. Like if somebody kills them, you know, we'll we'll do this whole thing where somebody can reverse time. Strange takes the time stone out, knows how to do the spell, reverse everything. Right. But it has to be something that's going to for sure eliminate him as a physical presence because we all have spec. We have our speculations of how Robert Downey Jr. still remains in the MCU. Well, also look, they've set up like with everything else, the confrontation Strange had with Dormammu. I think right. is yes. in Big the time. Doctor Strange movie is is a real great indicator of where they can go with this. And Feige has mentioned the Star Trek finale, Next Generation finale, all good things, which had two different time for three different time frames. I think we're going to see obviously we're going to see previous events play out differently right. than we've seen. There's going to be things going on that that that, and the characters will have no. Our main characters aren't going to know that this happened. Right. You know, it's probably this movie, Avengers Four, is probably going to open like. You're back in the past. Something's happening that we might have already seen played out already. Mm-hmm. They're not going to know. And we're going to all have to play catch up because that's how great time travel stories are, are done, especially you know, in the comics. Yeah. Maybe we'll see Kang. I, I personally hope Kang shows up. But like, I've given up all hope of like speculation. No, I'm going to speculate until the movie comes out. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm so, but it's like if this was so shockingly refreshing and surprising to me that I didn't. You know, We had been talking about we're going to see that snap. And I'm glad it happened. But the way it happened was in no way, oh. shape, or form how I saw it happening. So it was that, that was so refreshing that they put it all on the vision and the sacrifice of the vision and Scarlet Witch mm-hmm. after already having to go through multiple sacrifices with all the other stones. Everyone had to give up something for Thanos to win. And because Thanos is pure evil and literally is heartless, that's why he knew he was going to win. And Vision had to die twice. Twice. Yep. He died twice. Oh. First, she blew, Scarlet Witch blows up the stone. Yeah. Then he literally goes, Whoop, and then you're like, oh, he's about to do this. And reaches and pulls a chunk out of Vision's skull. But back to the way he we got to the snap, when Thor just throws Stormbreaker in his mm-hmm. chest. Ugh. And you think he won. You think he won. And what he, a great triumphant moment. They yes. set you up for it. He called the, it the Thanos killing kind. And, yes. push, and he was pushing it in there further. Yeah. And then you just hit Thanos with the lowest of mumbles. You should have went for the head. And all of us in unison scream, No! <laughs> Because even Thor did. Even Thor did. Because yeah. he, he took that set and was like, basically, oh, shit, moment. He right. was like, boom. Oh. 
and the screen go, the fact the screen went white. <laughs> like, it didn't go black. Right. It went white. A pure Marvel comic panel in real life. This was a, move, a comic book brought to life. Kevin Smith has been calling it, like, the greatest giant-size annual ever made into a movie. I cannot disagree with him. This is a, this is, but here's the thing, is like, so many people don't read comics, which is a bummer sometimes when you like talk to people who love these movies, but they've never tried out comic books. I get bummed because I'm like bummed for them because they're missing out. There's such a beautiful, giant world of comics that you get to read and ingest and absorb and enjoy. And that's what makes these movies so much better and so much special, more special as far as like getting to enjoy some of these things, but not knowing exactly how. Look, look at all the people here on this panel. I've read thousands and thousands and thousands of comic mm-hmm. books and none of us knew what Infinity War was going to be, and all of us were shocked and surprised and amazed at what they did with the film, and we still don't know what's going to happen with Avengers 4. Well, you know, it was funny, because I said early on, I've been saying this for a long time, like I said, I wanted two things to happen, Thanos to win and to snap his fingers. Mm -hmm. But by the end of this movie, I resolved resolved myself the fact that they're not going to do the snap. I didn't see it coming. You know, when when Thor, as soon as Thanos said that, you should have gone for the head, gone for the headshot, whatever. I'm like, that's when it finally dawned on me. I honestly believe that it wasn't going to happen. And I was, it, it never occurred that he, would, he had all the... And when it happened, I was just like... I literally said to myself, oh, snap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I couldn't believe it. When I knew the snap was happening was when he showed up in Wakanda. I was like, damn. Because he had all the stones except for that one. I was like... He got all the other ones. They are not going to stop until that snap. As I was like, I don't know how it's going to happen. Nothing looks good for these characters. It was a bummer for me because he was an unstoppable force at that point. You're just watching him take out Cap. Take out. Everybody's just taken out. I thought Cap was dead when he punched him in the head. Right. Because I was like, Cap's maybe a super soldier, but I don't think he should have been there. Because Thanos, when he held the gauntlet. And Thanos had this look like, are you serious? Yeah, I know, right? He was like, are you serious? And then punched him in the head. But what I was going to say was Marvel and the Russos did an amazing job of, we all hoped he would get all six. Yes. They never once let us know that he had all six. We constantly just knew of two. We just knew of two. All right. We always knew that. Yeah. And to see him get all six, you were like, this is going to happen. Uh, well, I mean, that, I mean, it makes us think about, like, what could they possibly be calling the, the the Avengers four is it Infinity Gauntlet is it Annihilation? Now Feige is saying it's you know it's not as crazy now that you've seen Avengers Infinity War it's not that shocking so it's sort of like we don't know what it's going to be called. Uh, a lot of people are saying Endgame or whatever we don't know right now. I was certainly wrong about them telling us in the credits, but I also had totally bought that like they decided not to make it a two parter. And again, I am so glad they lied to us. I never say yes. that, but I'm you know, so glad this is going to be the longest year that. You bastards at Marvel have oh ever made us God. wait because I was like, at least a lot of us have like the older people are like at least it's not three years like Star Wars with the Empire Strikes Back. That still doesn't make it suck less that we have to wait a whole year, but we do get some flavor with Ant Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel. Let's talk about that tasty post credit scene with Nick Fury. So people are turning into dust. People are turning into dust and like so we get Captain Marvel. At the very end, a little like beeper, like a crawl, I mean a scroll, uh, you know, Cree beeper looking thing. Uh, pager. Know. Yeah. yeah. What well, pager. Uh, it's an intergalactic pager. A Cree pager. I love it. So we get, you know, mother, 
Sam Jackson, Nick Fury turns into dust and we see that symbol. What do you guys think? How does this lead in? Are we going to see any answers in Captain Marvel? So I just want to talk very briefly about the experience of that moment. And it's one of the reasons I've been walking around afraid to wear any of my Carol shirts, afraid to be <laughs> excited, like, because I don't want to rob anyone else of the experience I had of being, like, being blown away by the end of Infinity War, being like, wow, this is so cool that they're leaving it here and they're, they're messing with us with the logo going away. And, like, th- this is such a cool moment. It's the darkest moment in the entire MCU so far. And they give us one more scene and this, okay, when they announced that Carol was getting a movie in response to years of people complaining about not putting enough women in the front and center, which right. is a complaint that they had earned with their decisions. So uh, it's one of those tough situations. You always worry that they're going to do it, but they're going to not be able to make it stick or they're not going to be able to support it or they're not going to be able to make it really count. And to be in the theater the moment I realized that a character who is dear to me, just got the (laughs) best setup in the history of cinema. She is the first light of hope that you get in the darkest... You do not get a better setup. You do not get more faith, like, and more... Like, so now even more is riding on this movie, and I assume they won't give us a lot of answers about what 4 is going to be, but now it's the... Like, we knew it was a flashback, and we knew she's going to get a call at the end of it, or in the after credits. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it, like... I I'm I, I still have not come down from that experience. Okay, that was it. Well, again, the planning. It, it speaks to the planning. I mean, they've done such a great job of developing the Carol Danvers version of Captain Marvel over the last, what, 20 years or something? Right. Uh, thank you, Kelly Sue DeConnick. That's where you start. It, it was so great. It speaks, it speaks to the planning of the whole thing. And to know that we've got this movie coming out before... Avengers 4, I think we're going to yeah. be getting a lot more flavor in Ant-Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel than we Have might to. even expect. Have to. I mean, the box office for both of those movies has been increased by hundreds of millions of dollars because people <laughs> that might not have gone are going to go. Are going now, Ant-Man guaranteed. Made, Ant-Man made $65 million. This movie's easily, Ant-Man and the Wasp, easily 85 to 100 now, especially if they're like dropping little Infinity War nuggets. Well, Man. remember, it comes out in June, July. 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 In July. You don't think that the, again... Black Panther did what it's doing and still doing. It set the it set that that box office bar, and it helped to push. Infinity War was going to make dumb money regardless, but the success of Black Panther absolutely elevated it so much. Yep, I it's, agree. It's not going to be the same scale, but now Ant Man and the Wasp will go up, and then when Captain, Captain Marvel is going to be two hundred million, it's two hundred million guaranteed. Captain Marvel is going to be such a be- massive because of smash the in- hit because I of the in- be because of the post credit from Avengers. Yeah, Captain Marvel is already two hundred million. Yeah, I mean it's 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 when you like put together like Captain Marvel is riding off the off of all of this goodwill, yep. including <laughs> this movie. I mean, that it's hard to imagine unless people are like, yo, it's a horrible film. I don't see that happening. All right, we got to wrap this up. <laughs> but here's my last question of the group is like, all right, so we saw Infinity War. We see who's left after the end of After everybody's got dusted, it's really originally the original team. So all these other side characters have become dust. We know that they're going to come back in some way, especially that grueling and horrible way that Peter Parker, because he has spider sense, knows he's dying and he's held by Tony Stark. I don't want to cry, but let's talk about some incredible emotional scenes that happen. We're left with like, oh, my God. What was the last line that Captain America said? He said, oh, my God. You know, oh what God. was that? He A said, God? oh, God. He I said, mean, oh, God, because yeah. he realized 
he started to realize half of existence has been wiped half out. Half of everybody. We didn't even know that until we're watching the end credits where you're seeing people turn into dust everywhere, including Nick Fury. So it's The it's- actual scene from Infinity Gauntlet by George Perez and Ron Lim and Jim Starlin, like, just read it. Yep, read that comic book. And here's, here's my question. So I'm like, Avengers 4, my guess, I'm going to see a Red Hulk. I'm going to see the very first original Defenders, which is Hulk. Doctor Strange, Valkyrie, and Silver Surfer <laughs> unite on the screen because I'm betting you that they've got those that Fox rights. Whatever that happens, they've settled it. They're like, you, we've got a Silver Surfer in there somewhere just to get that one shot. Yep. We didn't even talk about Banner doing the exact Silver Surfer crash through the window. Exactly. There's so much more to the, say about yeah, this movie. They, no, it's true. That exactly mirrors like what Wendy's saying. Or Newt Stark. Yes. I know you. Yes. You're not the only one burdened with knowledge. Yeah. There we go. There's a lot. There's some callbacks that are going to be happening and explored because this is one giant movie. We've heard that Avengers 4 now is going to be clocking in at three hours. They're not afraid. They're like, look, we'll make $300 million. Whatever. We'll make it four hours, son. They're not afraid of it. (laughs) I like that. I'll sit. I'll see this movie eight times. So. Um, so I feel like we're going to see a little bit of Eternals. I think Beta Ray Bill, not for Avengers Four, but this is like that setup where everything with these two movies is both a beginning and an end. They are introducing so many elements, like Captain Marvel, while yet they are setting the stage for the end of who we know as Iron Man now, Tony mm-hmm. Stark. They are setting the stage for who we know who is Captain America right now, Steve Rogers. They are going to have to make the ultimate heroic sacrifice in Avengers 4, and it will only matter that much more that we've seen what happened in Avengers 3, or Avengers, if you want to call it, Infinity War. That's the thing. I mean, what are your thoughts? Let me get it really quick from you guys, starting with Robert. Avengers 4, what do you think? Well, I think, look, by the end of Avengers 4, reality is going to be changed. It's not going to be reset exactly the way it used to be. There's a, a favorite PBS version of, of The Lathe of Heaven that they yes. made, a movie they made Loved in, it. in 79. There's a remake with James Conn that's not nearly as good. But Don't watch that. It's about the rea- reality is destroyed and reality gets put back together and it's not the same as it was before. Got a bunch of turtles in there. Yeah, and I think that we are going to see Avenger, Avengers 4 is not going to take place immediately in the world that we just left Mm. it's going to take place in an alternate version of reality where our characters probably years before this happened it's going to be we're going to see different events play out than we saw play out before because things have been changed whether it's an alternate universe or whatever we might go back into our post snap reality but i would imagine not i would imagine we would see the past and somebody perhaps captain marvel herself has to make that journey because she's the only one left who can wield that kind of power my question about it is are the people who are left surviving remember the past or as as since reality has now shifted and changed do you slowly forget all those people who have become no i don't think so yikes (laughs) i mean but it's hard to tell i mean how would how do you continue if if like what thanos was doing was murdering half of people now what he just did is make everyone not exist that's different so if you in in essence never existed Everything about you and your past and the way you But we don't know from, that, though. No, we don't, but I'm guessing that certain things are going to have to... In order for people to just dust, it has to be... It's, it didn't seem random. It's, it seemed like there's something where time... Something happened with time. That's all I can say. So what do you think, Amy? So there are some options. We, we know that Doctor Strange has some kind of plan that right. we might hopefully 14 see 14 million out. to one is uh, a plan. And we like so that could be it could be that the people went to somewhere else in time. It could be that they uh, like got sucked into Soul World and Gamora is going to lead them out, or she's going to come popping out of the stone, or uh, 
But like, I don't. Pretty much anything could happen. I, I imagine we will certainly deal with see some people mourning those deaths because there's too much good stuff there. If they start to forget them over time, that would be like an extra twisting of the knife. Right. But like we saw, like Portia Chal is gone, but Okoye is still there, and it's all about her face watching that. So we right. need to see her dealing with that. Um, but I don't think anything is off the table in terms of alternate universes and timelines and flashbacks. Uh, and, like, it's possible that Captain Marvel, that Carol's out of time somehow and that, therefore, she has some unique ability to see. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think, Jay? I just think right now things are going to switch up. I do agree with the change of reality, but I do think we get the original six that have to do something. I think that much. It's going to be interesting. I think we're going to get Shuri holding the mantle for a minute as mm-hmm. Black Panther. But it's just so much. Well, You're I right. think we might see... Tony Stark, instead of coming back through the hole, back to Earth, like in Avengers 1, because we've seen Captain America, we've seen Stills, right. I think they're going to hark back to that Battle of New York and things are going to change. Yeah, I think you know, there's a, definitely there's going to be mirror Because they say happening. in the movie, remember that thing in New York? That was Thanos. I think uh, uh, we're going to see a lot, of, uh, a lot of ramifications happen, but I like what you're saying, I like what everybody's saying. It is going to be the original Avengers in Avengers 4, but we also have Ant-Man. So I mean, we also have these characters that we've seen stills from. We also have Hawkeye. So there's going to be a lot of different things happening in Avengers 4. And none of us really know because we didn't know what was happening with Infinity War. We're just going to be, have a, lot of year, a whole year of conjecture until we get to see this final second half of what is really one giant film. Thank you so much. I want to thank my panelists, Robert Meyer Burnett, Amy Dallin, and Jay Washington for getting sweaty with me on this very special, spoiler special episode of Heroes. Thank you all for being part of this. Write on the comments section what you possibly think, what your favorite scenes were from Avengers Infinity War and what you think could possibly be happening for Avengers 4. And definitely tune into Collider Heroes. Episode 240 is up right now. Check it out and watch us and subscribe. See you later. There's an underdog story happening today in America. Small businesses are fighting to make a comeback, but in the moment they have the least, they're giving the most. They're rallying communities and neighborhoods, yet asking for little in return. Well, it's time we gave back. Small Unites is making it simple for everyone to take action and support the small businesses that unite us all. Find out how you can donate, shop, and share today at smallunites.org. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.